Thank you for tuning into the Martial Arts Podcast Show. So for today, we have a special topic, uh, slightly unusual. Why Keanu may be the walking Buddha. Why Keanu would be the walking Buddha. Yeah, well, um, Keanu, he exhibits a lot of Zen characteristics. And it'd be a good opportunity, really, just to refresh back on the basic bare bones of Buddhism and compare the two and see how, how, how well he fulfills that uh, threshold. So what are the bare bones of Buddhism? Well, we, we can't cover Buddhism as a topic in just a simple podcast. I think that wouldn't do Buddhism uh, the, the respect and, and really the time and volume, the, the fast, the rich wealth of knowledge and that goes into building those principles. Buddhism is essentially a religion. No, it's also a, a vision and a philosophy. Um, but we, we can really just cover the, the really basic story uh, of uh, Gautama Buddha. Is it Gautam? Gautam. Uh, Gautam Buddha. Yeah. Gautam Buddha, uh, the original Buddha. Maybe we can look at his story in the, the most basic way because we, we know that some uh, Buddhist buffs will really have us. Uh, saying we get information wrong and on a lot of technicalities so so forgive us for the blasphemy first uh, so Gautam Buddha um, maybe we'll start with his story so um, Buddhism started roughly um, 5th BC 6th BC um, so really one of the oldest religions that we know of and the uh, oldest um, philosophers uh, teachings of uh, a gent called Siddhartha Gautama Gautam Siddhartha Gautam, so we just call him Gautam, who was born in what we understand to be either ancient time, modern-day Nepal, or modern-day India. Uh, but we know that uh, he, he was very active in India. And uh, he was a philosopher, and his mindset that he came up with was a vision, was a really big vision that got translated into religion. And the pr- principles that Gautam taught uh, was about Magga, the path that frees us from suffering, uh, with an aim to be free from anatta, the delusion of ego, and to really surpass reality, uh, or really to understand that there is no reality, or not as we understand it. And Gautam did a big exploration of suffering. Well, it he, he was essentially a very good teacher, and it's really hard to pinpoint the way out of this reality, it'd be free, but... W- as a quote, one must strive the Buddha's way by direction. Uh, the Buddha's only point the way. One must strive the way themselves. And uh, maybe if we refresh the story of Gautam, uh, that might really paint the picture a little bit. So Gautam, as we understand, he was a prince, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a prince of the Shakya clan. Uh, he was later referred to as Shakya Muni when he became when he left his kingdom and uh, seeked enlightenment, seeked understanding from suffering. So he was living a life of luxury, but um, he, he wasn't, uh, he was more curious about the outside world. So he went outside his palace, isn't it? The story goes, the really basic story. And, and when he went yeah. outside, uh, he, he, he saw life in, in its full kind of uh, glory, but it horrified him on the reality of the life outside the palace. Yeah, he was he was cocooned by his father, who didn't want him 
to see suffering in the world as he had himself seen suffering in the world. So he didn't want that his son to see all that and he wanted to. Um, he had a path carved out for his son uh, Siddhartha uh, to be the king of that kingdom uh, and take over. So he was really cocooned and he was always curious. He had all these questions about life and suffering and pain. And then he started experiencing uh, anger and pain and um, all these other emotions which he didn't understand. And one, one day he, he left his kingdom. He left his wife and his kid to seek uh, refuge in the world. So as the story goes, uh, when he sneaked out, uh, he traveled out, but more, more so sneaked out, as you say, he was cocooned in. And he saw uh, the first things he saw was very different. The, the world outside was very different to his palace life. So he saw old age, uh, the old lady. He saw an old lady representing old age. And he saw ill man. Uh, so that's refer- um, representing sickness and suffering. And he saw a funeral going on, a very basic funeral where I think a man was getting cremated. So that was um, the death. So the three different aspects um, represented basic suffering and old age, sickness and death. And these three things are core and essential that occurs to most people, if not everyone. Uh, so that was the basic suffering. He, um, Siddhartha, before he became Buddha, he kind of categorized and understood suffering, but he kind of went a step further, like a technician, and he outlined suffering as different criteria uh, or different versions of it. Uh, he went to an advanced study of suffering. So the advanced suffering he understood to be uh, coming from the, the interim, from an indiv- individual internally, uh, which are cravings, which um, satisfaction is always temporary. Pleasure doesn't last. And when it does last, it ultimately becomes quite boring. So I think that's on his own palace life, that that's quite pleasurable. So he, he had everything in the palace. I think he had wife and kids as well, wasn't it? That's right. He had a wife and kid and he had his cousins there as well. Yeah, all the, the entire extended family living in the palace. Um, and you mentioned death because uh, I remember watching uh, some of the old TV series in India Um where they depicted what he went through um, all the, the first time when um, Galton Buddha sees a, a person dead, he, he could not understand it because his entire life, he, that truth of life was kept away from him. So that, that made a big impact on him. That's the basic suffering, isn't it? Uh, and then the advanced suffering, he probably had the frustration for a long time, having unfulfilled uh, desires to, to know more and see more. So the satisfaction. So he, I think he termed it, he coined uh, the origin of suffering. Uh, and then also, like you said, death, there's a different kind of suffering with the pain and injury, the loss of a loved one. Uh, and um, I think towards the advanced study of suffering came up with this concept of tanya, which is the root of all suffering, um, categorized in three forms. So you have the first form, greed and desire. And you have the second form, ignorance and delusion. And you have the third form, hatred. So three, three different types of sufferings, not um, in stages, uh, just different ways of suffering. So greed and desire, ignorance and delusion, and hatred. And I think um, Gautam's ultimate achievement was to come up with a, a strategy or a path, a concept, a solution 
to understand this suffering. And once you understand it, only his belief was that only if you understand it can you free yourself out of it. So those who understand are known as enlightenment, uh, enlightened ones. So I think uh, martial arts podcast, we talk a lot about the martial arts mythology and what enlightenment is, isn't it? The find, finding in enlightenment of those who are enlightened. You hear that all the time in science fiction movies and um, uh, fantasy movies. So that term really, Gautam being 5th BC, really was one of the original pioneers of that term. So those who understand suffering uh, and, and have a way of freeing them out of suffering, that's the enlightenment. Otherwise, uh, the, the, the fantasy part or the mythology part, uh, which is a bit less mythology as we delve into this podcast, is that if you don't understand suffering, you, we're like in a video game. We're trapped in this little world of video game. We get respawned, uh, reincarnate, re- reincarnated. Sorry, is the right term, reincarnation. We get reincarnated again and again on a loop, uh, like a test, until we break free out of that game, until we achieve enlightenment. We just keep repeating this lifeline. Which sounds like yeah. quite a big suffering. Sounds like quite a punishment. Well, this is why we needed uh, philosophers and, and 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 you know teachers like him to explain uh, you know the intricacies of of suffering and life and joy and pleasure, all these different states of emotions. That that the reincarnation is there as a gift uh, of um, us to learn, uh, learn from that suffering, learn from uh, pleasure as well, learn and grow and until we don't learn the lesson we'll keep on uh coming back in 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 flesh to experience it again and try to learn again and we'll fail that and we'll come back again and again yeah and um gautam ultimately was uh he'd take, taken up the role of a teacher right he had a lot of students and that teaching aspect um most people don't understand that buddhism they, they see it as quite rigid uh, type of practice but Gautam himself the original pioneer of, of Buddhism uh, he might not be the first enlightened one but he's definitely the first preacher that we know of uh, the human preacher uh, per se it, this philosopher he really like all Greek and Roman philosophers he was the type of philosopher that liked debate and rational thinking and independent thinking through asking questions so he would uh, teach by asking questions and he, he really um, kind of favoured that independent mindset of asking questions yeah this was the culture of india um even pre-greek and pre-roman of debating asking questions inquiring their upanishads the vedas the text which predates buddhism um the vedic texts of india they all uh dwell into this and encourage the seeker to um ask and inquire and meditate and practice and experience so it's the entire path is an experiential path until we understand the lessons and and then we can achieve as buddhists called buddhahood or bodhisattva so, almost uh, blasphemous to compress this huge religion and huge practice and way of life way of thinking <laughs> by several thousands thousands of years of uh, development into a few minutes there but moving on to our main topic really today uh really exploring how keanu reeves as a character that we can all relate to and connect to uh we'll get to why that is is hilarious actually um why keanu as as like a role model i see as a role model anyway um several aspects i think to um to break down in sections we can look at 
Keanu in the I Know Kung Fu uh, stage. And then we can look at Keanu in his personality, his compassion and kindness, uh, which is which sounds very Buddhist. And also a complex topic, walking free person. So w- what is a walking free person? We can also look at that into detail. That that probably is a more complicated side of the podcast if, if uh, listeners can stay stay awake with us on that side. Uh, and then finally on um, Keanu having a worldview. W- what is a worldview? what has that got to do with enlightenment uh, and then we can end on the enlightenment with his movies and yeah so i know kung fu or in the newer parts uh i, I still know kung fu uh so what has kung fu got to do with um buddhism bear well the founder of um shaolin kung fu was bodhidharma who was a buddhist well, he was a prince in India from the Pallava kingdom, and he traveled all the way to China to teach uh, Buddhist philosophy and 18 hands of Lohan. It was in a Tang dynasty, uh, ancient China, um, ancient India. From So a lot that we know about um, this uh, prince of Pallava, is it Pallava? Uh, is, is Pallava. Much Pallava it's much down to legend really but we do know that um he created ultimately created zen buddhism so we say zen buddhism which is a lot more iconic zen buddhism is the name that the japanese give when buddhism went to japan but zen buddhism came from chan buddhism uh the chan buddhism because of the translation in english is a lot harder to to distinguish so uh, a lot of buddhists are supposed to say zen that Zen mindset, Zen is a bit more iconic because the word Chan in English is used for a variety of Chinese words. Uh, Chan Buddhism founded by Bodhidharma, really. And Chan Buddhism is the type of Buddhism founded in uh, Shaolin. So when you're practicing Zen Buddhism, it should really be accompanied by Kung Fu. Or at least that's that's how it was founded. But I found that so when Bodhidharma uh, went to Shaolin when he visited Shaolin he, he noticed that monks were weak in meditation and that's hard to concentrate and his type of meditation was so hardcore and so grueling and so uh, requires that level of endurance he had to teach the 18 hands of Lohan uh, apparently in legend uh, along with some basic Shaolin stretches and, and Kung Fu was kind of developed from there so Kung Fu has been related to Keanu since Matrix 1 which I found to be a very uh, impactful moment of his life uh, because Keanu worked with um, Yoon Wu Ping who also brought out Donnie Yen into the movies he's rated as the best Kung Fu choreographer uh, of Hong Kong uh, the best, possibly the best Kung Fu choreographer of all time uh, Matrix uh, you could see Keanu being very different back in Matrix 1 to the Keanu of John Wick you could see the improvement that he's made since then. And I think the influence that Matrix One had on him, that kind of a very advanced level of Kung Fu. So the improvement is, uh, you say that there's an improvement. So that would be in terms of his Kung Fu, his Judo, his techniques, right? He looks a bit more confident, more skilled. I think he actually, um, especially you see in the interviews and how he talks about the man of tai chi a movie that he produced himself uh i say produced as if he designed the movie himself and he put a lot of production um into it invested a lot into that movie he really does like kung fu genuinely 
John Wick isn't to me, John Wick's a Kung Fu movie. Uh, the style used isn't Kung Fu. It's all sorts of different action. It uses a lot of judo, a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I think it's rumored that he trained Brazilian jiu-jitsu for one year continuous before filming. But with that kind of um, ongoing long-term training, it just demonstrates that he likes it. He actually likes the art. He's kind of grown to like the art. I know if you watch the old making of Matrix, the footage, he was really suffering because the, the Kung Fu stretches are are punishing for for an adult for for a child is a lot easier because they're a lot more flexible but the the kung fu stretching is is really not easy it is really um incredible and, and keanu even then i think the interview yun Ping said he was struggling so much but i think any any hollywood actor would be struggling and the matrix one really dem- demonstrated that good kind of kung fu action movie so it was a good science fiction movie but also had the kung fu side um so yeah kung fu buddhism keanu that's that's a very so, shallow start i guess what about what, what makes him compassionate then what you so you know buddhist like or buddha like keanu so um keanu su- supports several charities and causes and um i think that this his background story is that his younger sister had a uh, fortunately, very, very fortunate, a winning battle of leukemia. He founded the Private Cancer Foundation, which aids children's hospitals and provides cancer research. That seems to be ongoing. That was, I think, um, right after Matrix 1, uh, 1999, 2000, long time ago, 20 years later, last year, he still volunteered for uh, some organizations uh, for children's cancer charity. So he's not given that side up. And um, the rumor although the percentage is not is is trivial but it still shows a lot uh he made a staggering 250 million dollars in the matrix franchise and you have to put in perspective 250 million dollars back in 1999 it's, it's a lot of money yeah. now back in 1999 right where properties are a lot cheaper this kind of to me is astronomical figures that is very generous of him. Uh, he's not given the whole set of it, but he's given a large portion. Uh, I think seventy percent of his salary, uh, but that's excluding um, apparently royalties and and other income. But th- that that's not like you know we're not talking figures. It's just uh, if, if I gave seven percent away of that, I'll be bragging to all my friends nonstop. Seventy uh, percent. Uh, yeah, it shows his kind of free will mindset. It's it's very kind. And it's very selfless, isn't it? It's, very, it's just very selfless and just want to give it without anything in return. That that shows, you know, that that's where that kindness, compassion, and compassion and generosity comes in. I think, uh, yeah, the public really picks up on that persona, and is that becomes an ability to have the rapport with the public as well. So, so speaking of that, I mean, do you have any stories with Keanu? I think you've worked with him before. <laughs> I dare say worked with, um, but um, I did take up a, a part-time, uh, you know, after I graduated as a background extra. Um, background artist was the nicer name they give to people, but you're, you're practically an extra. You're, you're kind of like the bottom of the, the, the most basic, <laughs> bottom, the bo- bottom basic, most fundamental, you're getting the idea kind of thing. Is, 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 is You're basically a prop in, in the costume and you don't do anything, you're in the background. Uh, but the, when we talk about the persona of Keanu, 
he seems this really chill down to earth guy. What does that mean? Because they all seem really chill down to earth, right? In in Hollywood, he doesn't look good on in front of the screen when they're giving interview. I don't think Keanu is a talker, but w- when I met him in person, he really proves to you that that persona is real. Um, because you catch them in a moment of high stress where they're filming day nights, day shift, night shift. He's in both the day shift and the night shift. Don't understand how that works, where sleep works in. You probably just sleep during the lunch break or something. But he's in day shift, night shift. And in, in that environment, he's he's the god of that environment. He's the king of that show. And the movie I, I was in, he was definitely the, the most important aspect of the movie. Um, the, the, key, the key key poster of the movie is him. So uh the story we were all in our samurai costumes uh and you're not allowed to have your phone you're not allowed to use your phone on on set you're not allowed to take pictures but when you're wearing a hollywood made samurai suit that rule can go out the window right <laughs> you respect that rule as as like yeah whatever <laughs> you know so we're doing uh, all our poses and it's like oh do i look like a samurai do i look like a samurai, <laughs> yeah. like a samurai. <laughs> the costume is amazing it's down you know you have a face guard you have a helmet you have the swords that you can't pull the swords out because they know you'd be playing around with that too much but the swords were uh british made handcrafted individually made set pieces really good right it's not your average cosplay that you get from a costume shop but they they chain the sword down so you can't pull them out otherwise they say we end up losing them but you know what what would happen is like giving swords to little kids right it's just gonna be like <laughs> running around loose with them and we're on the bus uh the studio set we call it a studio but it's actually just a massive field it's a massive massive field so they have a lot of room and they build individual tents across this gigantic field uh to film um and the field is so big that you have a bus that takes us around uh from one set to another set and we're on this extras bus they call it background artist so you know back then i call it background artist now you like to see what it is it's just the extras bus and uh we're just taking pictures like non-stop everyone's taking pictures uh, and then you get off the bus and we, you have to wait around and as as a as a walking prop all you do is wait around all day and you, you have this guy who, who was on the bus got off the bus in a black hoodie with a big beard we thought he's one of those um direct assistants you have a whole army of them like running around just making sure that we don't get lost and we know where the toilets are we know where when lunch break is uh, uh and then we're taking pictures of each other non-stop and so we, we give it to this guy, right? And he's just standing there, like he's like sleeping on a bus. And you're like, oh, excuse me, can you get a picture of us? You know, yeah, we're all posing. And he was like, is it the middle button? <laughs> with these old Blackberry phones, you know, with the square middle button. It wasn't even a smartphone back then. And we looked up in shock. It's like, oh my God. We've just asked the whole boss of the production. Like, it is Keanu freaking breeze like, you know? <laughs> and, and like, brilliant he, was, he took a picture of us it's like how, how like you know you, you you see the hollywood star you usually ask for a picture right but you don't get him to take a picture of you kind of thing. and he's like and he's just so nice you know he, like, most of them would throw a tantrum uh, a lot of friends who um did that as like a post graduate kind of waiting for a job uh like, like i was at i i was at the time you meet all sorts of celebrities and you should never meet your heroes. Uh, a, lot, a lot of Americans will tell you that because they have an annual Comic-Con 
you you meet the celebrities to get a picture you, you queue up for half a day uh you get a picture of a celebrity but the if you look at the reviews usually unfavorable is not the cost mm-hmm. I, I don't think the cost is an issue because i don't think they could have like otherwise they can't manage it without having a cost so it's not even a question of cost right but it's the question of that when you meet them you pick up as humans we're quite complex you pick up their character and personality really quickly and yeah. this guy was like a normal guy keanu but all the other celebrities they're uh, i don't know if you get an impression of this it's like they're slightly made toxic by the hollywood environment yeah that's right i've, I've met a few myself i'm not going to name them but there, there's a few who are not approachable or if 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 they are approachable they have their entourage who don't let you approach them even if those celebrities are friendly and you know down to earth so yeah so with with keanu it looks like you know, well, he's just down to earth. He didn't have his entourage, his little um, uh, crew of uh, bodyguard, you know, or bodyguards to, to you know, um, shoo everybody away. So that's that's really humble. And yeah, that's that's a great quality in, in itself. Yeah, it's unreal that you can actually talk to him like a normal person. And we, we often forget, and I know celebrities wouldn't come out and argue on this point, but they're not like normal people, right? Like their product yeah. of how the environment, like you said, the entourage that shaped them and the, the fans that are like zombies because of all these factors, they're made into very unapproachable people. Like generally, um, to be blunt, they're not very nice to the general public uh, or they, they no longer can be nice to the general public. But Keanu, he just kind of incognito blends in. So you, you, you think he's a bit like uh, Miyamoto Musashi then sort of the wandering warrior kind of just goes around walking on his own and, you know, detached from, you know, his fame and his fortune. Yeah, so the, the section we mentioned, we do um, the walking free person. What does that mean? Uh, Miyamoto Musashi, as you say, was a ronin and he was... Uh, probably the most famous samurai of all time but ronin is a wave person they just don't have a home they move from one area to another area they're, they're not in their kind of uh rich and establishment and keanu he, he does carry that persona of of a ronin um very ronin like right <laughs> keanu at the park bench of keanu walking uh, but i, I respect that because um he and this guy is um always has been an a-lister of hollywood always have a very high net worth uh 300 million plus uh again like don't i don't don't get disrespected by me quoting the number i'm just saying that it is very 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 high net worth and he doesn't have a mansion he doesn't have bodyguard he travels on public transport on subway so we can relate to him (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, I think um, when when you look at like the other celebrities, and I don't have, I'm also fans of them. Like, don't have any hate towards them. But um, one reason why people say don't meet your heroes is that when you see Stallone and The Rocky, you, you kind of like because we watch him since we're little kids, right? I'm watching the Rocky movies, and they're very inspiring. You you imagine him to be Rocky, uh, like you can just go to the Rocky Cafe to find him and have yeah. a chat, but that's really not the case by circumstance he, he really isn't the rocky but keanu really is actually neo 
like, I'm going to test to that. Like, maybe without the special flying powers, but like, Keanu <laughs> is actually Neo. <laughs> um, and yeah, going back to the topic of the walking free person, detached, uh, when we say detached, it is not necessarily daydreamer, right? Detached, we also mean he's free. And one of the um, Zen teachings that Miyamoto Musashi also wrote in the, the Book of Five Rings, um, because it was under Zen Buddhism at the time, detached from material possession is a very good practice. And um, also, one of the noble truths of uh, going back to Gautam Buddha, one of his um, noble truths that he taught, the root of suffering is attachment. So the That's root of... Sorry. Yeah, what, if you can explain that. What does the root of attachment mean? So the root of suffering is attachment. Uh, oh. I, I was going to about to say like, what you find as a meaning of that. Uh, so what do we mean by the root of suffering is attachment? Well, in my opinion, what I've seemed to learn from my experience is um, when you... When, when a person, or when I am, let's say, when I am attached to possessions, people, cannot let go of things. You know, if you, you know when you're a kid and you've, you know, you have your favorite toy car and you're so attached to it, right? You know, you're playing with your toys and somebody takes them away and you, and you have this suffering because of somebody's taken that away, it's gone and you're so attached you know, emotionally to that object. It's just a physical object. So I think that's what it means in life as well. When we get attached to personalities, people, um, you know, things, things basically, material things. And I think Buddhist and Hindu teachings, like though the Eastern philosophy in itself talks more about this. And I think Keanu, so as you say, shows that in his persona, like, you know, he's detached from that and he, and he walks, you know, like a wandering warrior from material possessions. He doesn't have a mansion. He's not attached to that, right? He, he doesn't have to travel in limousines everywhere, you know, with an entourage, you know, attached to him, right? So he's, he's free. He's totally free from that. I, I don't know if it's mentally free from it, but it's, at least he shows and he lives, he walks it. He walks the teachings. Yeah, a lot of them can talk the talk, but to have that walk is, is actually a lot harder than we can appreciate because we're not in that position, right? So it's really hard to yeah. say, oh, if it was me, then I wouldn't have that. But like, but when, when it is you, um, the toxic wealth can really encapsulate you, can really like chain you down and we, you become a slave to it. Like um, uh, Hollywood is toxic, uh, as quoted by everyone, is a, what I call ego casino. Um, we, <laughs> we only know from social media how attached we are to that. We're attached to that reality more than our real reality like i don't care if i did something really cool in real life a picture it never happened like that video it never happened and if if i have a video um social media kind of like we all hope to go viral if six million people saw me doing a really cool trick i could understand from like a younger person like a teenager like i'll be the coolest celebrity in school so it's more important to have those things so that that is the new material possession i think um, kids these days they care much less on the actual toys but what's online so what's online is so distracting it just it can ruin you and hollywood when you're living that celebrity life real um 
Keanu is from that world. So he's singing without partying. He doesn't appear to be enslaved by the scene. And like, like you mentioned, he doesn't have an entourage. Uh, so he's a free man. You see a lot of our, our favorite celebrity fighters and celebrity boxers now. What they have in common is that they have a huge entourage that makes a lot of noise. So they kind of, they, they talk about how they want to be free from that noise, but they certainly don't behave it. Like they, they actually want the attention. At the same time, the attention, you can tell it does stress them out. It does give them fatigue. And they're like, oh, a lot of people don't understand my life. I go home to my mansion in my private jet, exhausted because I'm trying to get away from the attention. But at the same time, he'll be depressed without the attention. It's that kind of almost paradox. Like you know what's stressing them out. You know it's toxic. And when you look at the likes of the older generation of uh, celebrity fighters, uh, the greatest, um, Muhammad Ali, he used to go jogging in his local park or local area, uh, like the real life Rocky. And that, that's a free man. That's actually, he doesn't have all that entourage noise. He did at times, but when he did jogging, these boxers now, they can't go jogging outside and Keanu can. So a bit like Muhammad Ali, he doesn't seem to crave attention, social media or noise, but at the same time that, that it's given him a very positive image. So in a weird way, that's actually given him excellent promo. But um, I could attest that it's not just the promo. Like in real life, he is very uh, approachable and it, he just seems like a normal, humble guy in real life. And that's that's very hard to achieve. So how is this related to Bodhidharma's Dharma's teaching then? Um, so Bodhidharma was similar. Oh, Bodhidharma and uh, Gautam. So Bodhidharma is the 28th Buddha, right? Uh, Gautam is the, the first Buddha. Um, they both gave away their wealth um, or walked away from it as Reeves has said Keanu has said himself uh, like on, on the lines of I mean it's quote from interviews uh, money is the last thing I think about I could live on what I have made for the next few centuries he really discards it he really discards it I could I could live on what I've already made for the next few centuries so that's the peace and nirvana state of mind that uh, Gautam um, teaches on achieving that state of mind and I think there's this concept from um, Gautam on the middle way, the middle path. So when Gautam went out to explore the palace and he saw the ascetics um, who are these monks who can endure extreme deprivation of like food, of resource, and they're just wearing nothing but uh, a cloth, like some rags, and they live out in the forest and they can really be minimalist um which is quite healthy but they, they do extreme like hardcore minimalism and they don't have anything and they're just bone and tendons and skin and uh gautam the buddha experienced through that trying to achieve the state of nirvana through that through like battling the craving uh but i think he suggested to us the middle way uh which is not extreme ascetic uh giving up everything but also not having indulgence. And I see that um, from, from uh, Keanu's practice. And also when he, he seems to have carried on that long term and he seems to be capable of living that long term. So you see a lot of celebrities yo-yoing, like they have a moment of Zen and they post that up on Instagram to tell you how they found Zen. But then very quickly they live back in their kind of like Hollywood life. Like it's, but I think Keanu can actually do that long term to take the middle path to be in the middle, not overindulging or not not being an ascetic. 
uh, it talks about that when he did the man of Tai Chi, when he says that there's a sacrifice, a sacrifice for good that you can sacrifice yourself. And there's the middle, like kind of balanced way of sacrifice. So I think that's um, very much like Zen. Uh, he, he can, you can see him live anywhere and be comfortable everywhere. Uh, Miyamoto Masashi said, don't be bothered by your environment. Uh, I personally am very bothered by the environment, quite sensitive to that. So it's quite hard to achieve that as well. Um, Keanu doesn't seem bothered. Uh, so when Bodhidharma, he traveled to China to teach, is it Mahayana Buddhism? It possibly could yeah. be Mahayana Buddhism. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's two. There's two branches: uh, Theravada and Mahayana. And Mahayana is the one uh, which um, flourished in China. So um, Bodhidharma, he, uh, well, but Bodhidharma very much have a possible lineage to um, Gautam Gautam Buddha, the original Buddha, because his his teacher was uh, kind of under that lineage right uh, the Prajnatara Prajnatara was uh, Bodhidharma's teacher and he has some kind of student uh, lineage to Gautam Buddha and uh, Bodhi means awakened uh, the awakened one uh, when Bodhidharma went to China as you say he didn't speak to anyone uh, they expected him to teach at the institute but instead, he went to a nearby cave and he stayed silent, meditating for nine years without saying a single word. I think he came out of the cave um, to move to a different part. They wanted to move to like a different part of the cave or a room that he built for him. He might have um, communicated with them, but then he went again four years without speaking. So that focusing on self uh, apparently can achieve the dhyana. Is it dhyana in Sanskrit? Yeah, dhyana in Sanskrit. Uh, it means meditation as well. Ah, okay. Itself. So that Bodhidharma style of uh, training is through kind of that stillness, that quiet meditation. Yeah, and it's the control of the senses. So if he's not speaking, um, then you're conserving your energy and your focus is more internal and more observant, more aware and awake. Um, through that and these sort of disciplines are can seem austere but um, it can be very therapeutic as well in the life we live right now so um, that that is really the Zen mindset then that med meditation and Keanu he's definitely not a speaker I think that's naturally his personality right I think um, Gautam was quite a speaker Gautam was a very uh, good presenter very good teacher uh, speaker asking questions Bodhidharma the other type of Buddha was more quiet. And Keanu, um, some call him the ultimate introvert. Some journalists in Hollywood call him the ultimate introvert, uh, Lev Grossman. It, he's very quiet. He definitely isn't a, a talker. Not to, not to say that stuff he, he can't talk, he can't present, but you, you usually don't use him as a presenter, right? He's very quiet. Yeah, it doesn't seem too talkative. He doesn't want to just, and it doesn't seem to be a show off either. I've seen his documentary or his uh, TV shows where he appears on, you know, uh, chat shows, etc. So, and it doesn't seem to be overtly extrovert and, and 
talkative. Yeah, he's a very private person as um, his agent, uh, who's known him since he was 16. So he's always been very private, private, um, quiet, keeps his distance from other people. You have his colleagues, um, other Hollywood stars have said that they worked with him for, for a year and a few months, but they still don't know him. He's that kind of very reserved, quiet person. And because of that, at the same time, he never looks very happy, but uh, he's comfortable looking like that, not needing attention and that kind of self-motivated person is very hard to control and it's very hard to manipulate. And if you are impressionable, then Hollywood really will manipulate you and crush you out of, out of shape, right? Until you become completely, there's nothing left of you. Uh, he, he's one of the people I think represents independent and going back to this section of the topic, he really is a walking free man. So what's his background then? What was his spiritual or religious beliefs? So um, we talk about um, Buddhism, um, uh, Gautam getting a world view, a view of the world. Uh, just because you, you, you go to a lot of different places in the world doesn't um, necessarily mean, prove that you have a world view. When people say they have a world view, not a very local introvert view, uh, I think Keanu, his upbringing really did give him an opportunity to see quite f- diverse there's a lot of diversity in his background so he had a very mixed background not traditional american hollywood background uh although his father was american he was um his father was hawaiian american and um keanu was born in lebanon in beirut his mother was from the very very um on honored uh uh, kind of privileged place of essex uh, from the, the wonderful place of Essex, uh, and he, he his family moved around. He he stayed at some time as a child at his grandmother's place, who was Hawaiian Chinese, and he describes it as a Chinese household. Uh, fortunately, he did get a view of the world. He moved around in in different schools, and one of his best friends uh, passed away at a very young age. And as as we know the story of Keanu, um, he went through some tragic parts of of his life, it was a pallbearer to his partner who was buried next to their daughter. Um, so extremely tragic. Uh, and and his, his sister with leukemia, thankfully, cured now. Um, I think that that whole experience alongside with the Matrix gave him a, a very diverse, uh, impactful, different kind of extremes of life. Uh, so he's really seen the world. And his decision ultimately making gigantic donations and living the life the way he is. Like he still has his hobbies. Um, he co-founded the Arch Motorcycle Company that which they build um, custom motorcycle bikes. They, they build and sell motorbikes. And he's also got a close friend we know, uh, Alexandra Grant. So he's written his two books, Ode to Happiness and Shadows. Both, um, he adds like the little poems and text to, uh, her picture book uh, with some photographs in it. So I think that worldview is part of, um, we can really see that with um, Gautam, right? Just really seeing a lot of the world. Before you start preaching what the world is, you, you have to have seen the world or have that kind of understanding, that fast-scape understanding. Yeah, it shows he has some understanding and realizations as well. Um, to be the way he is, and to be, to make that impression on 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 people like us, and you know, um, like we are not celebs, and we don't work in that industry, and and 
gear, you know, um, martial art enthusiasts. Um, uh, you know, it's, for someone in that world, uh, in the actor Hollywood, you know, celeb world, especially after achieving, you know, making so many movies and achieving that fame, to then impress us on this level, which seems very zen, you know, seems uh, like he's almost achieved his Buddhahood or he is a Buddha because of the way what you've described, you know, what he's done as well. It's not just what he said, it's what he's doing and how he's living his life, right? Yeah, so I think uh, most of us know him uh, through the success. Of, we, we can't talk about Keanu without talking about The Matrix, right? We, we, like you say, we're not um, in, in that community, but we, we kind of chase the, that movie. We're part of the film nerds uh, and The Matrix, we can't really go without mentioning about the matrix and that i think i see that as the biggest success for him uh i mean it, it kind of boosted his career uh he, he already had really good movies before uh with main roles like he was in dracula as well they, they gave him a diverse range of roles but i see especially after um seeing keanu in person he basically is neo and he basically is Neo in every movie. So I had this comment with a, uh, someone mentioned to me. It's like, oh, why, why do they always um, give him uh, the, the same type of role? Why don't they give him like a more kind of broader range of roles? You know, they don't give him enough roles. I'm thinking that they do. If you look at the plot and if you look at the characters that they play, all those roles are different from Samurai's to Dracula to like Constantine. But, but, but Keanu is just independently Keanu, right? Whichever role he plays is, is basically Neo. Yeah, <laughs> and and uh, that's not the undermining because I'm a big fan. He, he is, I mean, um, I, I might be wrong, but a very contested list in 2020 last year, the New York Times ranked him number four. The New York Times ranked him number four <laughs> of the list of what? The greatest actors of the 21st century. And on that I mean, 21st century is a long time, right? It's like one century. It's not, it's not a small scale. It's like we're talking from black and white movies to now. Um, only have 25, really? Like, it's very contested. But to have Keanu ranked at number four of the 25 list, um, I have to say, as a fan, I'm, I'm happy for him. Absolutely. I mean, someone who's been described as a sad face or a drunk face, you know, uh, by, by, by the media at times, you know, and he's now voted as uh, top 25. I mean, that's just incredible. Yeah, his persona really does uh, make him deserve that. Well, uh, when, when I think of acting, I think of like Christian Bell and Heath Ledger and, uh, you know, more Kate, Kate Blanchett, I really think. And uh, these 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 guys are not on the list. They haven't made the list for some reason. Um, but yeah, on the movie side, uh, we talk about the Matrix. The Matrix is very um, some some would see that as a spiritual movie, right? Ultimately, it's a sci-fi action thriller, action adventure. But there's a lot to take away from the Matrix on the side of like if we compare and contrast it with Buddhism, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, with, with The Matrix, it's uh, it looks sci-fi, has a very science fiction concept as well, which it may seem, but at the same time has a very much a Zen Eastern belief system in there about the universe, about being detached from it, seeing through unreality. So, you know, there's... Uh, there's also Indian prayers as well, which uh, chant these. Uh, I think at the end of the movie, they do chant that prayer 
So lead me from unreality to reality, from darkness to light. Um, and that's, you know, that's that theme, basically, which, um, again, it's got Christian symbology as well in the movie. So it does cater for everyone uh, from all religious backgrounds, but it does go very much deep into the yogic or the Buddhist uh, mindset so much to offer just from a simple action movie um but you you see uh when mr anderson wakes up from the pod i mean it's, it's if you haven't seen it from 1999 and i'm not going to say spoilers right like, like why are you doing it if you still haven't seen 1999 movie but when mr anderson wakes up as neo from out of the system he kind of breaks through that reality and that's kind of like a, a symbolic representation of waking up to the re- real world right that the fabric of what we know as reality is not the reality and everyone's aim is to be enlightened to break through see past the matrix see past the simulation yeah see past the self-created illusions of this world you know of me mine and i you know the i the ego the pride and all the attachments is to see through all of these he, he does look like a monk without the hair as well when he wakes up and he doesn't have any hair on him uh, it, it does look very yeah. monk-like, um, and and then the whole thing with not believing in our reality, like there is no spoon. Uh, and then I think Keanu himself talked about the red pill in an interview, uh, really to understand understand the world. When we say like we mentioned earlier, the the worldview, he said um, to understand ourselves and to other people and to the world. That's what the red pill means to him. To understand the world and understand ourselves it's not what it meant in the movie <laughs> it doesn't matter right it's still very profound uh but the, the matrix i give it massive credit from 1999 which is a long time ago now uh, since then nick bolstrom in 2003 which is can you imagine after the matrix after the matrix yeah. in 2003 a philosopher um lecturer at university of oxford talks about existential risk and, and I had a very, very influential piece. Uh, do we live in a simulated world? Do you, do you know that piece, um, Bear? Very likely, if you can explain a bit more on that. So um, this is a, a, a submission by the, um, from Nick Bolstrom, the, the philosopher and lecturer of, um, in Oxford uh, in the Department for Future of Humanities. Uh, however much of a future we have for that is a little bit bleak uh, but it, this paper was recommended by Elon Musk and Bill Gates so it's taken very seriously by the leaders of tech uh, our, our leaders of today the, the, the real heavyweight leaders of tech and uh, Nick Bolstrom really talks about uh, makes an argument in several scenarios that we live in a simulated reality do you believe that do you believe but that's basically basically the matrix is ultimately what he's saying that he's taking it seriously uh, and companies have to prepare for existential risk and um, for the um to start planning and making uh preparations to look in the ethics of artificial intelligence I don't know if you've seen um the animatrix animatrix i haven't i haven't <laughs> yeah so so that gives a background story before the matrix it yeah. came came out after the matrix one uh the animatrix very good extremely good uh series of um animated not shorts but they're, they're like mini movies and it explains like how the world became the matrix 
and it talked about um, artificial intelligence in there. And Nick Bostrom, serious people, you know, uh, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, serious people. Elon Musk truly believes we live in a simulated reality. So Nick, Nick Bostrom explains why that is, what, why, we, why there's actually more and more serious concerns and pl- start planning early for ethics of AI. Do you think, Bear, that we live in a simulated reality? I don't really know. I think we might be. Uh, we might be living in that. I mean, there's one, you know, as we mentioned earlier with regards to seeing through the illusions and waking up, um, getting out, out of the matrix. And maybe we are in that matrix. and Or, or, may, or maybe we are just programmed to talk like this uh, right now. Uh, you know, it may be a complete big computer simulation or some sort of AI simulation in this universe, you know, um, it, it's, it's hard to tell, isn't it? But, you know, uh, experience uh, is probably key, right? And uh, going more into self-realization. And this is what these ancient masters used to talk about, you know, to wake up, you know, uh, wake up Neo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't want to talk too much about that topic because um, Elon Musk and uh, Neil Tyson deGrasse, a uh, brilliant um, speaker and, and scientist, uh, physicist, um, talks about that that concept w- with Nick Bostrom. So there's a lot of good talks um, you can catch on, on YouTube and, and on the paper on uh, the simulated reality. Nick, Nick Bostrom, also in Joe Rogan, talks about it in detail. So we don't need to piggyback off that. But there really is, uh, from what we're talking today and our topic of Buddhism, really fits well with Buddhism, right? As a philosophy, I mean, this idea that you have to reincarnate until you get the test right, and Nick saying that we might be these, ultimately a test, like the whole thing might be a test, and we could kind of just go in a loop and get respawned. Sounds like, strangely, like, um, uh, might be misquoting his work, but it, it, the impression I get from it seems to fit very well into 5th, 6th century Buddhism, ancient philosophy. Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, if it's, it's Buddhism and the yogic philosophy as well, um, prior to that, it, it seems to be very much like that. Perhaps they knew something, you know, <laughs> and they warned us, <laughs> you know, um, with that sort of, I mean, if you have someone like Elon Musk, you know, uh, looking into this, you know, taking that seriously, you know, that means, you know, I mean, this is, Elon Musk is an intelligent guy, you know, and you know, to to take certain sort of research material seriously, and to invest in that, you know, that must mean there's certain amount of truth in there and logic, right? Uh, so, it yeah. kind of does migrate the whole um, uh, matrix, uh, popular culture and fiction, from science fiction into science study. So that transition from 1999 to science fact, yeah, yeah. sort of theory, um, science theory, uh, everything is a theory. Um, yeah, so Matrix, really significant movie. There, there is also a side story. So Keanu, uh, we did talk about this hardworking ethics in um, movie making. When you Yun Wu Ping, the action choreographer, the martial arts choreographer, um, that his team, they did a lot of the wire work, the kung fu wire work or, or wire fu. Um, I think the Matrix was probably still, in my opinion, the best representation and using wire work uh for 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 hollywood movies so hong kong movies use it all the time but for hollywood movies it really is um outstanding uh a good result and um the story 
I was going to talk about was uh, when the Hong Kong stunts team, they asked Keanu, uh, which harness do you want to use? So we have this one and we bring out this big clunky, very comfortable, well-cushioned harness. So harness is like uh, what you use for um, kind of indoor rock climbing, similar to that. You, 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 it's extremely uncomfortable however you wear it. You strap it around your waist and uh, in between your crotch. And then when they pull it, the nylon straps just tighten and you sit in the harness. But that, that nylon burn is, is crazy. It's, it's, it's very well cushioned. They have the, <laughs> the, the Western Hollywood version or you have the Hong Kong version, which is just the nylons. <laughs> Essentially, just <laughs> just the loop of just a few a nylon belt or, you know, that, that harness. Um, and, and Keanu's put his kind of faith in the Hong Kong team. He said, oh, well, you, you guys have been working on this technology, this, this craft for so long. Uh, we'll, I'll use whatever you guys use. So he actually opted for uh, the, the the light, the very light, simplistic uh, Hong Kong version. So really um, respectful, really respectful uh, person, and re- really dedicated to the craft. So, so maybe right. we could end on uh, talking about Keanu's um, beliefs. What do we know about his beliefs? His personal beliefs. Well, he's uh, said to be you know, a, a not not a great talker and very much a private person. But you know, he did say a few things, and he's filmed. Um, you know, he, he well, he started in Little Brother, and that impacted his mindset and philosophy. You know, um, and that's you know, and he's done a few videos where he's talked a few things about sort of the Buddhist philosophy and the jewels. Yeah, he talked about um, in interviews, Man of Tai Chi in 2013, because uh, they, they, these interviews cross over movies, right? One of his popular movies that he did mention himself that he would like to film uh, a follow-up sequel to is Constantine, which I really like that movie as well. That movie, Constantine. oh yes. But have you seen that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good, isn't it? About like there's that heaven and hell, like strong, like you know, picture of heaven and hell uh, visually. Yeah. Uh, and Keanu himself, he does say, he mentioned uh, that he does believe in God and the devil, but yeah. they don't have the pitchfork and the long white beard. So <laughs> very, very good. Uh, and yeah. we did talk about is the notion of heaven and hell in earlier interviews. So back in 2005, uh, we have the source from the Associated Press. And the Associated Press asked him, why are your notions of heaven and hell? Eternal damnation versus eternal bliss. And yeah. um, Reeves actually t- mentioned that he doesn't have what we, can we say a secular religiosity. He doesn't have a denominational site, but the stories that we tell, there is an aspect of living life informing where we go. A transfiguration there must be. Energy can't be created or destroyed, and energy flows. It must be in a direction of some kind of internal emotive spiritual direction it must have some effect somewhere do you think if there's some kind of interaction between your living life and the life that goes on from here so to quote that uh, that's from the the source the associated press uh, back in february 15 2005 uh, the associated press well on that very lengthy quote which uh, it doesn't sound like the way that keanu usually talks anyway what do you pick up from that? Does that sound very Buddhist to you? 
well his quote yeah i mean it does it's it, it can be taken then as even someone from native american traditions um, they have very similar beliefs you know of the universe and life um you know um, so energy can't be destroyed or, or created energy flows you know that is um yeah it's it's very much an ancient belief of the ancient people you know from different traditions um so yeah it does yeah it has a um very much a buddhist and you know is is you know as we mentioned everything else about his persona i think we've talked more uh, more than what he would talk right he's a non-talker <laughs> so that, that is an irony he's a non-talker <laughs> but it doesn't mean he's a bad talker and uh to, to i guess to finish off um the podcast uh more recent uh interview he did um, on the late night show of Stephen Colbert in 2019 and Stephen asked him uh, so Keanu what happens when we die so what does he say in that famous quote well he said I know that the ones who love us will miss us <laughs> <laughs>